1: Hello and welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I'm joined by only one man this week, but for the first time since... I don't know. (laughs) I'm joined by another
0: man in person (laughs) to record a podcast and that man is the one and only Sean McGuigan. Hello there. Hello. When was the last time I recorded a podcast in real life with yourself? I I was wondering if it was... The last one I remember, the, well, the last one that popped into my head was when you, me, and Andy Harrow discussed the best Wraith Rovers team of all time and the worst Wraith Rovers team of all time at your work. But the, the, there could very well have been several dozen after that. It's just the first one that popped in my head. I remember the first one. I remember the first podcast I recorded online. It was with Craig Telfer, and uh, it was a Patreon, and you had to give it away for free because my sound quality was so, and <laughs> my sound quality was so bad. <laughs> But I don't remember the last one I recorded in real life. I don't oh, I do remember that. You were raging. You were raging, and then you then you bought me a microphone. Yeah. What, what you don't know is actually uh, actually my sound quality was was that bad on purpose, just so that you you would buy me a, a microphone. All oh, right. No, well. of course it
1: wasn't. <laughs> of course it wasn't. I bought the microphones for everybody.
0: I know. that was totally a yeah. totally
1: cool. Thank you. But, uh, no, that's maybe what started it. I was like, I'm cutting off this.
0: Uh, I think I pretty much was, you were raging.
1: So you never, so so for anybody who's uh, obviously listening doesn't know, we are uh, using the the studio quality equipment that is uh, located at Tori's house. Tori's not here. It's just the two of us. Uh, but you've not, have you not seen this before?
0: Nah, it's all, uh, it's all bright lights. And, uh, right, okay. So yeah. It intimidates it might, me. It
1: might have been, there might be that Wraith Rovers podcast because we did do, we've done a couple on these, uh, about two or three maybe, maybe even more than that before the pandemic started because there was this is the exact setup that was at the Scotsman offices. Oh really? Uh, which I so so I've not set foot in the offices since the pandemic started. Have you never been back here at, work <laughs> no, at all? I <laughs> think I was invited in once. It's like nah. I'm, right.
0: I'm uh I'm back in two days a week.
1: I I wouldn't mind doing one it's just now that I moved to Longstone it's just kind of a bit of an awkward kind of getting there. It's you have to go into town and then kind of I mean I mean it's not far out of town, but it's just like going in and then slightly back out again. So just like Instead of spending 40 odd minutes a day at least, because uh, the traffic through Gorgie is usually a nightmare at any rush time. So, aye, maybe up to an hour travelling, just stay in the house.
0: I, uh, I don't mind being in the building, but I prefer it if they move the building right next door to my house mm-hmm. uh, because the commute is the commute's now worse. Because there's. I ah, know, I just realised I was com- complaining about commuting you come in for <laughs> Kirkcaldy. Well, there's, there's fewer trains now, so because there's fewer trains, I have to stop at more stops. Oh, right. So, like the train used to take about 35 minutes, but now it takes. It takes about an hour, so that's kind of like a twelve-hour day now. So that's 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 not great.
1: So, right, it's been a while. Been a while since we've been in person. So I've not done one. So I think we've only, I think we've only recorded. Well, we've recorded two podcast episodes since the pandemic started. One was the end of season awards last year. Oh yes, and the other was a, a episode of the Scottish Rewatchables for review for the terrace, which hasn't been released yet.
0: Now there was uh, what did I record for the Scottish Rewatchables that I think. I, 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 I think oh I went it, up yesterday that was about 18 months ago
1: <laughs> 18 months ago I was still over in that ah, was forever ago Right, <laughs> no, that was released yesterday I can't remember
0: then what was the film <laughs> Acid House Oh, rubbish <laughs> just a rubbish film I had to watch it all over again
1: well if you'd like to hear more about Sean's thoughts on Acid House <laughs> head over to review for the terrace
0: that's it summarised that's it summarised <laughs> in one word I did expand I did expand I did give a fuller uh, explanation as to why I thought it was rubbish but uh, not my favourite. Speaking of rubbish... Yes. Dunfermline Athletic. Dunfermline Athletic. There's a, there's a massive Wraith uh, Rovers 2015-2016 vibe about <laughs> Dunfermline Athletic at this moment in time. That, is who are fun- they going to... Is it Dom Thomas they're going to send out on loan to... <laughs> to relegate them. <laughs> to officially relegate them. To... I'm trying to think who else struggling. Uh, Queen of the South. Uh, hopefully. See... see it, but there is... I suppose there is... Uh, there's massive comparisons in that... Uh, it's proof that sometimes when the, the fact that supporters are occasionally treated pretty poorly by, by kind of boards when it comes to statements and kind of looking down at them and, and turning their nose up at them. Sometimes when it comes to important decisions, uh, supporters are, are absolutely spot on. And I don't think there was any Dunfermline fans that thought Peter Grant was was a good appointment. I certainly didn't think it, it, it was a good appointment. Uh, the, the, I, I know he spoke about his CV there wasn't anything on his CV that suggested he was going to be a success at and He was pretty poor at Norwich. He won, I think it was four games at Aloha. And I know there was this suggestion that, well, yes, they got relegated and uh, got annihilated every week. <laughs> but they played football in the right manner. That, uh, uh, yes, they were a part-time team, but if you want to... I mean, I mean there's a direct comparison in the Championship to, to, when it comes to a part-time team, and it's growth. And they were miles behind them. Miles behind them last is, season. Is
1: there not a certain... Is there not a certain cachet to come with, though, with keeping... Because they did keep Aloha up for one season. And Aloha are traditionally a kind of... Well, if not yo-yo. I mean, yo-yo in kind of recent years, but more kind of traditionally a kind of sub-tier team. So is there maybe... Was there
0: maybe something in that?
1: Uh, I, I know it was there enough to make the fans happy about the appointment, but I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate
0: here. If you're going to, if you? I maybe okay. Let's give him some credit that the fact that he was he, he had early success, I suppose, with Aloha but the, there was nothing in terms of his Aloa tenure that, that suggested he was going to be a, a, a big success uh, at, at Dunfermline, and there was talked a good game though. Did he talk a good game? I don't know. If, <laughs> I think he thought he talked a good game. I thought <laughs> Like he, the board thought he talked a good game. Well, like I, I suppose he must have done if he, if, if he got the job. But there, there was a... I always felt there was a weird vibe uh, coming from Peter Grant. And I know I, I know you maybe shouldn't take out of context quotes as, uh, as as gospel, I suppose. But like, even when he was at Alouane, the, the stuff he's saying about he wanted to... He was at Atalic Barcelona and, and defending like, Atletico Madrid and... There was times where he would be interviewed, or, or you would see quotes. I should, I should say, uh, either before I'd film game or after I'd film game, and and his quotes didn't seem as if they were grounded in reality. It was like he was, it, it was like if, if you genuinely believe that, uh, then I, I'm not entirely sure what you're seeing, or are you just trying to persuade others that, that that's what's going on? Because when he I, I, there was an interesting one when he played Rangers in the League Cup, I think it was. And I can't remember what the full time score was, was it 5-0 or 6-0? And I think it was 4-0 quite early, early doors in the, in the first half. And he was asked about it after the game and he said, well, we could have had a we could have had a couple of goals of our own. And I was like, No, you couldn't. <laughs> you would barely at your half. So like, what are you seeing that, that would that would make you believe that that, that what you're saying is, is is right. So he always gave off, gave off a slightly, a slightly weird vibe. And you it doesn't really matter if you're giving off weird vibes. What matters is that's what's happening on the park. Aye, Tom Courts gives us weird vibes, and his team
1: are flying.
0: Exactly, but nothing he was doing made any sense. And in, in terms of in terms of constructing a squad, he had about six or seven centre halves, and even now, so Paul Watson's left. You're kind of looking at who he's got a centre half. I I I don't know if he has a decent one. So so the fact that you've like accumulated almost all the centre halves in Scotland, but somehow don't have a decent one is is very odd. He I, I think. Uh, I think Josh Edwards probably is having a poor season at, at left back. I think I think he, he he put together a a collection of central midfielders that that are struggling. I think his best one was Ian Wilson, who to be fair maybe had a, a run of bad luck with the fact that Wilson is always uh, is always injured. He has white players who occasionally flatter to flat to deceive. Uh, Kai Kennedy. Kai Kennedy has a good reputation without necessarily. Doing it week in week out, I, I think maybe Inverness was his was his best loan spell at Ruth Rovers. He maybe had uh, a, a collection of games where he performed very well, but in general, in general, he, he didn't do enough. And I, Aye, I, I for, for Rangers fans who might think he's you know going to be Davy Cooper for the Monday,
1: seems very unlikely. Well, it?
0: well, well. Where has he went out on loan so far? So he's been out on loan at, at Inverness, at Dunfermline, at Raith Rovers. Has he been anywhere else on loan? Um, I'd look out I mean, for you, though. I? I mean they're continually sending him out on loan to to, to championship teams. I, I think if I think if Rangers thought he was he was going to be a a, a big thing, you think you'd maybe send him out on loan to a, a premiership team? Admittedly he's still young. Don't get me wrong. It's just a three loans, by the way. Don't get me wrong, he, he's still young, so perhaps he could become a player. I haven't seen much to that that suggests it he, he, he will be. And then up front they have three strikers who and Whiten And Todorov And uh, Kevin O'Hara Like O'Hara's had one good season Where he scored goals The other two I, I don't know if they've ever got above nine in, in terms of I don't know if they've got above single figures In terms of scoring goals in a season And I, The funny thing is We So Peter Grant has, has put this squad together And there was a theory and I, and I kind of bought into it Very much so That Dunfermline had A A decent squad That a, that a good manager could be getting a, a, a tune out of Peter Grant's Now left uh Greg Shields and, and Stephen Whitaker were in charge on on Saturday and although maybe like for the first 45 minutes they were they were okay against Morton they looked a wee bit brighter second half was terrible and i think that potentially puts to bed the theory that Dufferman might, might actually have a decent squad I, I think they actually have a poor squad I, I was looking at the players that left Look. It, it is
1: funny though Because You said it coming into the season Craig Anderson said it as well He was quite nervous about them When he saw kind of the signings that were making And it was it was kind of bigged up Even with Because I think I mean, A lot of people were unsure About Peter Grant But it was still Kind of thought Well that squad's quite good And even if he does a, a passable job That'll be a team fighting for promotion Might be enough to pip Kelly to the title There's 13 games gone do you know how many points there are between Dunfermline and Kibana? Uh I, ha- I haven't
0: double-checked, but it'll be a lot. 19. In fairness, in fairness, remember the season that St Murren uh, escaped relegation? Yes. So I think I think going into December, I think they were 18 points behind Wraith Rovers, but they still finished above them. If
1: so Dunfermline <laughs> finish above Kilmarnock this season, they're still not winning the title. <laughs> Kilmarnock might be finishing about sixth.
0: I, I think what's interesting is... Uh, you look at the players that have left, and not all the players, but I looked at the kind of ins and outs. And in the summer, I was like, right, well, that that might not be a huge loss. They, they, they might be okay there. But now I'm thinking, Declan McManus would would walk into that team, and Declan McManus is a kind of passable mm-hmm. Championship forward, but he, he would walk into this team. Uh, Ewan Murray, I think, is a a decent Championship centre half. We've got a game for Dunfermline week in week out. Uh, Paul Watson, I appreciate left. Uh, under a cloud, seemingly falling out with, with with Peter Grant. Maybe he should have made more. Uh, maybe he should have tried to stay friends with Paul Watson, <laughs> <laughs> so that he could have played weekend. Of, don't get me wrong. Actually, the, the games that Paul Watson played this season, he, he looked like he'd. He looked. Like he'd kind of, his standards have kind of dropped, I suppose. But to be fair, if he's if he isn't, if there isn't a relationship there with the manager, then then maybe that was partly to do with it. And Kyle Turner. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I appreciate that Kyle Turner seemingly fell out with, with Stevie Crawford. Yeah, but again he feels like a big loss. And yep, he's he's not playing every week with Partick for this one and Patrick's seems to be playing him uh, kinda of out wide I don't think that's his best position. But again, there's four players and they they probably haven't recruited anybody that's up to the standard of those four. And it, maybe it's just now that we're that we're realising it. And the weekend as well, I mean I know it's I know that
1: a lot might not change. And you could say that like if if you want to preach any sort of Kind of patience for the film involved. Well, patience, maybe isn't the right word. Maybe just to, some reassurance for them uh, that, that, that they might not be in this, that it might, it might not already be a case of, like, this squad is so kind of badly kind of rearranged that this is almost a lost cause, and they are going to be the next kind of Wraith Rovers and just, like, being promotion contenders that just surprisingly could kind have of drop out like a stone out of the division. But there was still a lot of the, the kind of problems that have been there all season on Saturday. There was terrible defending, there was chances missed that should have been taken, and there was some weird managerial decisions now to bring somebody else in because um, the managerial decision I'm talking about uh, was taking off Dom Thomas when he was looking fairly threatening and they were still kind of you know trying to to win the match at that point. But and that might that might go away, but it's just the it's just the kind of it's just such a it's already such a crucial appointment, and it feels like. It shouldn't be a crucial appointment. Like It feels like coming into this campaign, they should have had enough, as we've talked about, they should have had enough good players to be up the, the better end of the table, even if they're not quite as good as maybe we thought they were. But you're already kind of looking at it saying, is, is there too many weaknesses and is the squad too mismanaged? Is, there too, is morale too down now that if they do get the appointment wrong, who says that this next guy is going to be any better than Peter Grant? It's just kind of one of those things that snowballs, like it did at Ray
0: If they get the appointment wrong, then they'll go down. Like even if they get somebody who's incrementally better than Peter Grant I, I think they'll go down I, I think if they bring in somebody who uh, can kind of galvanise them and can no, I, I don't think they need to, to remember when Jack Ross came in at St Monday, totally overhauled the squad in the January transfer window That there was like a huge turnover they might not be able to do that and they might not necessarily have to do that but if they can bring in I think a goalkeeper is vital uh, because I don't think that uh, Denise Mehmet or Owen Von Williams are I mean, the, the fact that you have Owen Von Williams as your number one and then you go out and sign a goalkeeper in the summer who isn't as good as Owen Von Williams, that, that doesn't say much about your, your kind of goalkeeping recruitment. I think if, if they can bring in a goalkeeper, I think that would help. Uh, I think it would help immensely. They need a centre-half. They need... And in fact, you know something, you're talking about the the strange decision, one of the, 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 the strange decision that they made at the weekend in terms of substituting Dom Thomas. And it, it kind of Sunday, Monday, I thought I thought that was a strange decision. It was only when I read an interview... Uh, was it with Stephen Whitaker? Regardless, it was with w- one of them. And they were asked about the fact that Ian Wilson wasn't in the squad. Ian Wilson's our best central midfielder. So they were asked the question, I think Ian Wilson is still injured. He went, no, he's fit. It's like, well, if, <laughs> if Ian Wilson's fit, how's he not getting in your squad at all? So, so I suppose that is also a very strange decision. Maybe there's something, maybe there's something going on that we're not aware of. But it's... But even if there is something going on that we're not aware of, that's also troubling in itself, isn't it? Of course it is. And, and even if I'd have got like Paul Watson, who's like, right, I'm away. Like that's <laughs> <it's> troubling. <laughs> it, it, it's, not just, it's not just on the park that there are issues. There's obviously, there's obviously something is afoot uh, behind <laughs> the scenes uh, as well. But what I would say is they're not that far away from the teams of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Morton aren't very good. And Queen of South aren't very good. And Hamilton aren't very good. It's a three game unbeaten run, Aki's Riding. Ah uh, well that's good for them, I suppose. <laughs> They're not very good. So It's entirely like this league is just cut in half, really. Uh, it's five and five. Aye, which like, is which which again is also to to the film's advantage. There's obviously five Dreck teams in there. Uh so they don't have to get that much better to catch up everybody else. However, I think it was Craig Anderson that put something on Pine Bovrow during the week. There's not that many teams that start a season. <laughs> With any wins in thirteen games, that managed to stay up. Yeah, so they they need, to make an, they need to make it they need to make the right appointment, and they need to make it very soon because they play Inverness this week. And you think to yourself, like they they barely beat Inverness ever. Even when the Fairmont are quite good, they never beat Inverness. So when they're absolutely crap, you would imagine they are not going to beat Inverness.
1: And is that right man for the job, John Hughes? <laughs> I don't. Yes, I don't know. I that, might I, be because he, done, I, like he I, I, went into Ross County last season in a similar kind of position to what Wraith Rovers' job was, and he, he done well at that job. Like, I yeah. Uh, like there were four points adrift when he took over, and then the the I mean the I mean, they weren't that comfortable in staying up. But even going into the final day, they couldn't have finished rock Bomb. They still well, would have went in the playoffs, and probably would have done a lot better job better than Kelly did. My
0: uh, my my hash was settled uh, when John Hughes kept Ross County up because I thought right. He is going to be absolute, an absolute disaster. And I know. I know. he had success before he came to for us, and I know I am not his biggest fan. Let's put it that way. And I, but I, I don't really have, or I, I didn't really have anything against Ross County until they appointed uh, John Hughes and Malky Mackay. <laughs> now I really don't like him. but I, I really hope they got relegated. But I, I, I thought he done a, he eventually done a very good job. I mean, I, I think did they did they win the last three or four games of the season? Like I think when they got to the. I think when he got to the split, like, Ross County had done particularly well. Uh, and so, fair play to him. So, so I wrote him off as a manager when he, when he was at Wraith Rovers because he took a, he took a squad assembled by Gary Locke and actually made them worse. I was like, my goodness, you have pish. And maybe, maybe, maybe he's actually, maybe he still has it. But, but again, it, it kind of feels like there's a reason that jobs kind of pass him by.
1: Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, I think a lot of. I don't think he's quite seen as kind of the progressive manager that he once was because he was kind of looked upon that, especially his early Falkirk years. And I remember, I can't remember what it was now, but there was a manager talking about Hughes when he was kind of out of work, when he still kind of had that reputation, and how he could like just compile these, you know, dossiers on, on even when he's out of work, on you know how he thinks football should be played and players that fit and stuff like that, and the real kind of servant to the game and stuff. So there was a time where John Hughes was kind of looked upon as that. Now he's kind of, and it's probably to do with kind of attaching himself to kind of the old kind of traditional media, uh, the kind of radio stuff that he does, where it's kind of like when when you're sharing conversations with guys like Willie Miller and stuff. Like, I mean, no offence to Willie Miller, but nobody's going to hire him for a job as a manager in 2021. And I wonder whether that's got against him as well. And obviously the Nathan Rovers job as well was kind of...
0: But you still think I don't... It it certainly
1: ruined his reputation for a while.
0: I don't know if Arathrow's job would be that relevant now. If if you're a... Yeah, it's having, you, it's having kept Ross County up. Having, having kept Ross County up, then surely that is now the most relevant thing on his... Certainly the most recent and the most relevant thing on his, on his CV. So if I was a struggling club, a la Dunferm and Athletic, then I would I would be tempted to take him on. I, I,
1: there you go, there you go, Parson.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know if he'd be my first choice, but I could, see, I could see why they would be attracted to him. I mean, like, Stuart Petrie is obviously the number one, but... I think he's a good job in a bank he is, is a, a, a kind of decent part-time position at, at Montrose and he, I think he's in his 50s now you, you think so well, if he wanted to go full-time he'd, he maybe would have done it by now because let's face it I would be amazed if full-time clubs haven't approached him before now but then he is a, I a Dunfermline legend so if anybody was going to attract him to a full-time position then maybe Dunfermline would be it but I appreciate it as a good job that he would outside of football that he would have to give up for that just pay him loads Just pay them loads. Just pay them loads, Dunfermline, and and hopefully still get relegated.
1: (laughs) Five year deal. Pay them loads. (laughs) Turns out he's actually worse. (laughs) Only suited to part time football. Fingers crossed. And then Pierre Grant takes a Montrose job, and they're in the Premier League in three years' time.
0: Uh, I don't think that will happen.
1: (laughs) No. Right. Let's move on to the next team we're going to talk about, uh, which is (laughs) Oriens, the current leaders. Only one position behind Dunfermline in the current league structure. They are top of Cinch League One having reeled off a sequence of four victories in the last five games. It's all right, Sean, don't have to make a face. You can just pour your wine. It's six wins and eight. Take that out of the way. Look at this. It's six wins and eight.
0: Four Thank wins and five, six wins and eight. That's, that's, that's doubly impressive. It has to be said. Uh, I, then, then when you said that you wanted to talk about Erdry, let me just clarify here. Uh, did, did this mean that, that you are confident enough to talk about Erdry, the diamonds, or did you mean that you wanted... <laughs> see, when you said you wanted to talk about Erdry, was it that you wanted me to talk about Erdry? No, I have some things to say. Now we're talking, what, for, what, for two reasons. What do you think of fun form? I think it's
1: very strong, Sean. <laughs> How can you argue? <laughs> Six for, ones,
0: isn't it?
1: For two reasons. One, uh, Emma. Uh, sorry, Emma. I don't know your surname, but uh, Emma Emma Q nineteen eighty three on Twitter. The Eardry onions fan. Oh yes, very knowledgeable. Uh-huh. So I asked her earlier today for some to, to help me out with some research, but also I want to talk about Airdrie because I spoke to Ian Murray, yesterday. Now, I mainly spoke to him to talk about Scotland Hibs, uh, well, Scotland and Hibs.
0: I, I, I saw you making a smart arse tweet, uh, a smart, a smart tweet about this. Uh, what was the? So, so never mind the interview. I, I, I couldn't care less. But what was the beef? What was the beef that you had after a uh, what was that what was that again? It was
1: after Hearts got put in by Liverpool and Ian Murray tweeted basically like, "Ha, Hearts got beat off a of Liverpool." It was like, had then, been like, well, like a couple of minutes for taking Liverpool extra time and beating them at Anfield. What are you talking about? And then there was just like a back and forth that went on that night where we were bo- both called each other idiots. So how did it go? How
0: did it go? Oh, carry on! It was in two 2000- thousand. Twelve. You can't remember a Twitter beef with Ian. Well, no, I remember the beef. Well, how much I, beef do you get? Well, how much beef with reasonably famous people do you get involved with? I can't remember. That you can't remember the, Ian, the one with Ian Murray. I can't remember all the exact
1: tweets. That was the nature of it. He was slagging off Hearts for getting put in Europe by Liverpool. And I was like, well, a like I mean, this is a tremendous effort for Hearts to go go Anfield and nearly yes, beat them at Anfield. I agree. I agree. And b, who the fucker has played in Europe this season? Named it so sharp. <laughs> and then he just kind of went back and forth like that for a while. This was before I was in journalism, so I was just working at a bar at the time. Uh, I mean, I lack of filter on Twitter anyway, but uh, back then it certainly the not one.
0: I've never noticed. You <laughs> <laughs> should have kept this powder dry until you uh, got knocked out the Scottish Cup by Broder. <laughs> exactly! Then, then you can not have any. anything. I wouldn't have said anything no. back to <laughs> I don't <know laughs> like he's on Twitter these days. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah,
1: I spoke to Murray, and it was just quite... Kind of, he, he was... Without really... He didn't really go into many details about, like, the current format. kind of why I had, I, I had to ask him and find out the kind of inter- And find out a bit more about the team. I, I'd heard a wee bit and stuff, but uh, obviously I need to learn a bit more because League One isn't really my forte. But it was just interesting to kind of listen to Murray, who's been in the job, I think, three years now. Mm-hmm. And kind of... I think each year they've improved. I think they finished sixth, and then sixth and th- third and... S- six six and second. And now, obviously, they're they top of the table and they've got aspirations of obviously getting back to the Championship and trying to, and they've got aspirations as well of what he was saying, of trying to to grow the club back up. Like, not necessarily be what it was before, but they've still got the hybrid model. Uh, Ian Murray is still a full-time manager himself, even though he's only a part-time <coughs> club, he's still working every day with players because they do have some full-time players. They only work with the full squad you know, twice a week or, or three times, whatever it is. But the, there are plans there for Airdrie to to try and get back some of their old name. Because for somebody like me, like I hated Airdrie when I was younger. Because they were annoying to play against. And they used to always beat Hearts as well, which was also a side effect. But even when you were beating them, you had this reputation as being these nasty be fuckers. And now I don't have... I've not had an opinion on Airdrie for years. I think ever since I became Airdrie United, I've not had an opinion on Airdrie, really. Other than... I think just about, with the exception of maybe one or two years... And, or maybe a wee bit more than that in the second tier. But ever since I've really done this show, they've mainly, I think I'm right in saying, mainly been a third tier club. And they're trying to get the kind of attendances up because obviously it's not sustainable for being a full time team. I think that's their long term ambition to get back to full time. But to do that, you know, you probably
0: need an, what, another average of 400 fans through the gate every I, second week. I can never work out what the situation is with the Erdry, because are they a full time team?
1: They're a hybrid. I think they're mainly part time
0: now. Because I, I, I sometimes get mixed up in terms of whether they went kind of full, full time. However, a, a lot of the players are like young players that they aren't necessarily having to, having to pay that much. Because I knew they were hybrid. They, then I had it in my head that they were they were fully full time. But the majority of the players were, were young players, so so they're still hybrid. Because I, I, I did see, I did see a, what was it? I read when Falkirk beat them. Was it the beginning of the, yeah? So Falkirk beat them this season. And Falkett fans were saying that this was the first time that they'd beaten a full time team since they come back down to League One, and I must admit, at that point, I wasn't entirely sure that that was correct. But they seemed to think that they were full time. But 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 what you say just made, yeah. makes total sense. They're definitely hybrid. If if they're not, Ian Murray literally lied to me <laughs> yesterday. Well, you know, so when you had that follow on Twitter, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he was trying to like make your interview like a load of rubbish.
1: It was quite. It was good. It was good value. Um, I even asked him at the end. Uh, Like, asked a kind of question he quite enjoyed. I asked him, like, over-under, because he got six caps for Scotland, so I asked him over-under, Josh Doig. Does he get more caps or not? And he played along with it. Like, usually kind of, like, especially managers, like, still in work, it's easy to kind of bat that thing away. But he's like, oh, oh, good question. (laughs) Because he's like, well, only he only got six caps, but then he's like, well, they've got Tierney Robertson ahead of them, and also possibly Greg Taylor and Ann Hickey. So, anyway, we're getting completely off topic. Airdrie.
0: Uh, well, on, see before we, we totally get into energy. Did you go over or under the number that you got shaved into your side of the side of your head? Inexplicably, <laughs> he did do that, didn't he? Aye, for uh, Edward Derby, got nineteen. I think it was nineteen seventy-three shaved into his head, which was the oh. year of Hibs beat Hearts seven-zero. You know what I thought? You got the seven. Uh, so, so definitely one nine seventy-three is definitely above six. <laughs> I thought it was 1973. No, it no, been, you're, you're probably right. I might be
1: misremembering, but anyway, yeah, and, and also somebody they
0: lose that game. Of course, they lost that game. They always lose. No, that they game. drew
1: for each. That was a great. Weird was game. that for, for but, a game? <laughs> but uh, the theory, the theory, the popular theory. I'm not entirely sure whether this is accurate or not, but I like it because it's funny. Is that somebody fan <laughs> threw a vodka bottle them during the game? And so my theory is that they were that annoyed by no, this not just my theory, the theory amongst Hearts fans is that they were that annoyed by him having that in the back he that somebody threw a vodka ball, which got the match paused for a couple of minutes, which meant there was so much injury time,
0: the Hearts were able to concede two goals eh, after the 89th minute and still come back to draw. So him getting that haircut prevented a 4-2 victory. Exactly. Should have mentioned that in your interview <laughs> or during your Twitter beef. You should have mentioned it. I'll tweet him now. Oh, he's not there not there anymore.
1: Right, so Airdrie's. So there's a kind of feeling amongst fans as well that this is the, the first time that, this is the first proper time, even though he's been there for three years, this is the pro- first proper time this summer that Murray's had the kind of opportunity to, to really sculpt the, the team in his own image. Because mm-hmm. while he's been there a while, kind of came in halfway through a season, He's also there was also kind of COVID things, but coupled with that, that, which obviously put a strain on finances, but also as well, the club had this kind of went on this policy of trying to pick out players from France and stuff, which obviously was kind of stuff... I mean, I'm sure that Ian Murray was kind of glad to have them on the team because they weren't bad players, but I think the the feeling was these signings were kind of, right, you're signing these guys, or, or yeah, fit them somewhere in your team, or or these are the players we're wanting to bring in, pick two of these kind of thing. I think that was the feeling at the club before. And now this summer, he's been backed a bit more. He brought in Scott Agnew as a, as a player assistant, there seems to be more of a feeling that there's not as many kind of middle men at the club as well to answer to, and he's just kind of able to focus a bit more on the team. And the team he's put together this campaign has been pretty good. They got off to a slow start, but that was due to a combination of injuries, and then at the end of August, I think it was, the a, a COVID issue. Which, and when I when I spoke to uh, Murray on, I asked him about Hibbs' COVID issues, and obviously the two kind of you know paralleled up together. And he was kind of he He was quite quick to stress the kind of what fans don't see in terms of players coming back from it kind of thing like say they're fit to play they're clear to play they can go out but you says you don't you don't know the kind of long term effects and you, it's hard to tell how much they're still kind of struggling and how much they're feeling it kind of thing so it took a while for Adrian to get started this season but they're really motoring along now um, and, and also being included in one of the most mental games of the season as well with a 3-2-1 over the it was amazing <laughs> the incredible awesome. game of football <laughs> But the, the the team's kind of built around Dylan Easton is being brought in this summer as the kind of number 10, uh, the kind of, maybe, aye, maybe it's fair to say the kind of attacking fulcrum, a lot of the play goes through him We're, I think a lot of us on the show, even most of the listeners even if you're not kind of familiar with the lower leagues you, you would have heard us talking about Dylan Easton before the ability he has on the football, he's been at Kelty Hearts the last I think, previous two seasons, so he's yep. basically out of the SBFL for two years he's back now Struttony stuff. They've also made a couple of other decent signings. Uh, Scott Agnew mentioned he's kind of he's no longer Scott Agnew what we kind of remember. Whereas no. for years I thought Scott Agnew was a forward because I'd always see his name come up on July Soccer Saturday. Only I think it was only about three or four years ago. I realised he was a midfielder.
0: I think he's got. I think he, he, I, I don't know. Let's say he has forty-seven career goals. I'm fairly certain thirty-four of them have been against Wraith Rovers, <laughs> all all thirty-yard free kicks. Absolutely infuriating. <laughs> but he's. Uh, I mean, Agnew is Agnew has been a, a kind of lower league. Uh, phenomenon, and aye, I, I, I did think last year at East Fife that maybe time was was starting to catch up with him, and he, he couldn't do what he what he always did do. He's been in injury; he's probably now playing a deeper role, uh, and he's, aye, he's he's getting by. He's not the Scott Agnew that that, that we know and love, but he's still doing a role.
1: Now it's also helped as well. They've got some young legs alongside them in the form of Celtic Loney Kerr McEnroy yeah, who has been very impressive. Recently, yep. including at the weekend yep. when he was a star man And as a result, earned a place in the SPFL team of the week
0: Get away, honestly See, see whoever picks that SPFL team of the week They really know their stuff They certainly do <laughs> They really know their stuff <laughs> who, did you, who did you ask? <laughs> who did you I just go to Pine Bovers? I went to Pine Bubble. Uh, obviously course did, Of course you did That takes bloody hours, by the way No, I know, I've done it
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's a pain <period> <laughs> in the arse Especially it's just more of a bit refereeing decisions or the wind or something It's like, shut up, <laughs> tell me who played well
0: it's when they it's when just described players with a nickname.
1: Oh, aye. Uh, it took me a long time to aye. figure out who Bigs... Uh, was A Bigs Sandy or something? Uh, was who it, was, was that? that was it Bigs Sally or something like that? Oh, God, I can't remember who it was. The Templeman. Aye. aye, Chris Templeman. Big aye. Sandy.
0: What? Aye, just... just I'm to use his real name. I'm trying to figure out the SPFL team of the week.
1: <laughs> it's coming in the chat to ask you guys who's <laughs> this boy.
0: Give me facts. <laughs>
1: They've also had as well Reese McCabe, who I would never think would be a centre-half. But he was forced to play there in the game against Peterhead, when they had, that was when they had their, their real COVID problems and that was, I think that was Telford's banker for, it wasn't on the show but it was in, the, in our chat, like you said to Tory, because Tory always asks every week, like what, what bets should I put on for the lower leagues, what, what are the tasty, I don't know why he ever bothers because the lower leagues are always a fucking crap shoot, like there's, there's, there's always mental results in the Scottish lower leagues, especially the kind of further down you go. But uh, he asked, and then that was like, I know, definitely Peterhead. Airdrie have barely got a squad. Only traveled up. <laughs> I think they only travelled up with 13 players. And then they were free head up. Within <laughs> <laughs> like 60 minutes or something. <laughs> so, yeah, that in that game, McCabe had to go into centre-back. And you wouldn't think he's been much a centre-back because he's not the biggest of players, but he seems to have settled in there pretty well. And he's kind of now, you know, building up a kind of almost decent partnership there because they've had their injury problems, but it's not been that much of an issue uh, because these guys have managed to to fill in. And that was something Murray said as well, is that he feels like the squad's kind of really come together this campaign um, after the kind of slow start because of the problems they've had. And they've kind of had to dig deep and, you know, that that game at Peterhead where everybody just had to kind of play a position that was given to them and do it to the best of their ability. that kind of fostered a pretty good team spirit. You can almost imagine that because you can imagine, like, coming back for that kind of game and like everybody just kind of having a, a joke about it like it, you can imagine everybody would be slagging recently came off like before they give you replace that ass I do you? and then afterwards ah, I fucking <laughs> tell you it's, it's, it's all the beers are getting opened <laughs> well uh, COVID times so maybe not bad but you can imagine it
0: well, they, they could open beers, are just going to pass them to one another
1: that's true can't share them
0: I I, I tell you well, like we would you ever share a beer with somebody <laughs> But you, no, but you wouldn't be able to pass
1: them. No, no I'm just, I know, but I said sure, then I just kind of laughed at my own
0: idiocy there. But, okay, cool. Uh, I think, in, in terms of Ian Murray's uh, tenure, Ergy have always been have always been okay in League One, but it's always felt like they've been a player or two short. Uh, I thought last year they they looked pretty good when they, like, after, like, towards the tail end of the season, they brought in uh, Kyle Turner. I mean, Kyle Turner uh, really lifted that team up and, yes, they got to the final of the playoffs. And I I, I thought they had a chance against Morton. And bear in mind, it was a a pretty bang average Morton team and they never laid a glove on them. Never laid a glove on them at all.
1: To be fair, Robin, Muirhead decided to play, like, his profile for two games.
0: But maybe that's a sad indictment on Ergy.
1: It might be, to be fair, it might be.
0: And... And I, I, I... I didn't necessarily fancy Airdrie this season. I, I thought there would be... I thought there were three teams that could win League One. I thought uh, Falkirk, <laughs> uh, Queen's Park, and maybe Cove Rangers. And then you've got... Beyond that, you've got Montrose and Airdrie that would probably be like, right, well, they'll, they'll pull it, there's your top five, for example. And even even at the start of the season, I didn't think Airdrie had a squad that would challenge. And at the start of the season, as you mentioned, they didn't do particularly well. However, the... the the players that they've brought in, I, I think he's recruited very well. I think he recruited most well at, at the tail end of the the transfer window. So I think I think Callum Smith was probably a coup. Like I was surprised when they brought in brought him in from for Hamilton because I think, I mean I I, I didn't think he was a, a, a Premiership uh, quality player, but I, th- I, th- I thought he could have troubled defences in the in the championship, mm-hmm. and I, I think he could have done a job for Hamilton. Whether it was some kind of fallout, I, I, I don't know. But he can help teams. Uh, Ken McEnroy has come in, as you've already mentioned, and he is a. He didn't do very well at Dunfermline last season, and, and again, I don't think he's going to go back to Celtic and, and trouble their first team. But he is a is a box to box midfielder, which you don't see too many of. He, he seems to love a, a shot at goal as much as he loves a, a tackle. And I think him going into midfield has allowed Adam Frizzell to, to get forward a wee bit more. And as you've already mentioned, Dylan Easton. So there's, there's a handful of players who improve their squad immensely and can certainly damage other teams. And you, you look at the game at the weekend, so they the beat Peterhead 3 1. And it was pretty much all those players that, that caused the damage to, to Peterhead. So the first goal, the first goal was my favourite goal, not because it was the best goal, but because of the commentary for, for Diamonds TV. So Adam Frizel won the ball off the Peterhead right back. Uh, I, I don't know who it was, but they kind of won possession back. gave it to Dylan Easton. Dylan Easton kind of cut inside, got into the penalty box. Kind of wrong-footed Brett Long, uh, and the Peterhead goals. You could have done better. But the commentator then said, a "Great goal for Dylan Easton, or whatever." Uh, have you ever seen Dylan Easton and Batman in the in the same place at the same time? I know I haven't. I've no idea what that meant. <laughs> I've no idea what that meant. Like Dylan Easton wear a cape when he plays. Batman kicks fuck out a Penguin. <laughs> Dylan Easton <laughs> just scored a goal on Brett Long I don't know what that means uh, but honestly the second goal the second goal was absolutely brilliant there was a, a cross went into the kind of edge of the area Dylan Easton kind of flicked it behind him and it, the, the head defence stopped but Brett, they thought Brett Long was coming to gather it but actually uh, McEnroy uh, nipped in first and actually just flicked it over his head it was a brilliant goal and then the last goal even the last goal was really good uh, it was uh, Callum Gallacher when out a, a flick on and then Callum Smith just lobbed it over uh, Brett Long. Three brilliant goals, three totally different goals, and it shows you that there is, I, I think Airdrie yep. have enough players within them now that they can, they have enough players now, that they, 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 there's different ways to skin a cat, mm. and I think Airdrie now uh, know how to do a that. saying that always makes me feel very uneasy. <laughs> <laughs> well, aye, because you you love cats. But, Interestingly, I suppose we, we can maybe use Falkirk as a as a barometer, and I, and I know we, we probably shouldn't. Bear in mind, they're, they're low levels this season. But see, funny barometer. See Falkirk this season; they, they generally do have the upper hand in games and dominate possession and create chances, but but just don't take them. But when they played Airdre a few weeks back, it was three 0 Airdre and it could have been four or five. And when you look around the, the rest of the League One challengers, Queens Park have have uh have drawn a lot more games than have won this season. Falkirk don't seem to be doing very well. Cove Rangers can't put a run together. Airdrie are the only team in that league that can put a run together. And if that can continue, they'll be very difficult to knock off that, that perch at the top of the league.
1: Good. Good. I would quite like to see Airdrie come back up to the championship. Feels like t it's been a while. It's been yeah, it's certainly been a while. I think it was I was two thousand thirteen that we're last in the, the second tier and that was that was a brief stay because they were basically similar to Dundee that season. They were just, you know, vaulted up a level above. They were ready for due to uh, the whole Rangers
0: unpleasantness. <laughs> there's, there's very few clubs in in Scotland that have slipped backwards so much in the last twenty five to thirty years as as Airdrie. I, I know Falkirk are, kind of, are also in League One at the moment. But Clyde Bank, would we have something to say about that? Uh, no, no, very much so. So, so uh, Clyde Bank. Uh, who I suppose Airdrie have, have become. Is yes. that right? Yes, I and, and Airdrie. But bear in mind, Airdrie were consistently in the nineties, at least, kind of getting to semi-finals, mm-hmm. getting to cup finals, uh, occasionally getting into the top tier. They, they were always a, a kind of bottom of the Premier League, top of the first division, and and, and like if you've if if you've just been a, a kind of Scottish football fan in the last, I don't know, fifteen years, you you, you would just presume that Airdrie are just a, a kind of run of the mill third tier team so we're going to
1: move on now now we've already done 40
0: minutes right okay so
1: I was we're going to talk about Kelty. but we could leave that for another time because I don't think they're because what I was going to ask you was not really about their kind of recent forms more about what the kelty need to do are, are they champions elect already and what do they need to do if that's the case to then improve for League One. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure you're thinking that there probably are champions elect in, the, in the fourth tier. In the, yeah, fourth
0: tier. I think they'll go unbeaten.
1: Right, yeah. So they're going up. So we can park this conversation to another time when you can still keep your notes and it'll still be the same. Like They'll still probably have the same holes to fill. And I'd
0: probably still be unbeaten.
1: Right, <laughs> probably still be unbeaten in two or three weeks' time. So let's just move for the, uh, to our next memorable Scotland game. We're yes. down to number 16 in our countdown.
0: Do you know... Uh, no, sorry, apologies. You you introduce it. You, you no. talk about what it is. <laughs> I, I, I was just I was all excited for a second there. So uh, well, you would have remembered that I was seven. So this is my this is my this is the first qualifying campaign that I can remember properly. Cool. This it was is, also
1: the first Scotland game that Craig Anderson was at, but he wasn't born yet.
0: He uh, was being just stated.
1: That's a word that I don't actually know the meaning of. He's it, it, in the womb, right? I, 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 uh, was aware of that. Does do that counts? <laughs> no, definitely doesn't. If you can't, like, if, I don't know, if you're in the womb, you're definitely no. You're definitely not allowed to say what was your first. Like, if you're seriously, like, I don't, I not Craig actually seriously answers <laughs> this. To be honest, but if you're being asked seriously, what was your first ever football game? You're definitely not allowed. You're definitely not allowed to say one before you were technically even alive. I can't see it.
0: He's just standing outside. <laughs>
1: I suppose you had a like, I don't know, but uh, they don't want to get the whole argument on that. I suppose he, w- he was there. He, he was, wasn't born. He was He was present. He, he,
0: kind of. Couldn't he see anything? it then? Well, kind of. He was He was definitely present. What do you mean he could see? No, I'm saying he... I said he couldn't see it and He said he kind of, kind no, of was. No, sorry, I, I I said he was present and you said kind of. Sorry, Aye. I didn't realise. He was definitely present. Okay, yeah, I suppose.
1: Anyway... <laughs> So it's Scotland said <laughs> the game. Here. So it's Scotland to Fraisthill from the eighth of March nineteen eighty nine. So the qualification campaign you are talking about is for the World Cup nineteen ninety Italian ninety. Now, but before we get to all that, we'll do our usual rundowns. So yes, the eighth of March nineteen eighty nine. Number one in the UK chart was
0: "Belfast Child" by Simple Minds. They're uh, they're only number one. They were number one for one week. That is my uh, that is my Simple Minds. Uh, knowledge that
1: is interesting that, that's quite interesting as well
0: shows you how just kind of a, how much
1: a cruel mistress the kind of charts could be at times because you would not have thought if you had to say what was the what was the Simple Mind song that went to number one you probably wouldn't say Belfast Child. certainly wouldn't be the first one that would come
0: to your mind so funnily enough I, I worked beside somebody who claims to be Simple Mind's biggest fan and I asked him I goes what is their uh, only number one and they got that wrong uh, and uh, I lost a lot of respect for them. <laughs>
1: Number one in the US box office was a film that I hadn't heard of before, but actually seems quite good, so I might actually head up and check this one out. It's called Lean On Me. Have you heard of it? Uh, no. Morgan Freeman. I think it's like a social, political kind of thing, um, but seems pretty good.
0: Okay, no worries. No worries. And I'll check that out. Not on a Sunday, though. On a Sunday, I uh, so I like to maybe watch, I don't know, a horror or a, or a sci-fi, so I won't, won't watch it on a Sunday.
1: Not on a Sunday. Okay. That's the weird detail, but okay. And number one at UK box office was Rain Man, which I've still not seen. You've never seen Rain Man? No. Ah, it's really good. well, I think it was on Netflix a while ago, but it might have disappeared before I had the chance to watch it. Anyway, this was our fourth game of the group. Mm-hmm. Scotland got off to a tremendous start in this group. So, they... No, they there's
0: not there's no beat Norway
1: 2-1. Yes, that was the first game.
0: That, that's not quite as tremendous. No, as but I mean, overall...
1: So for the first four games, including this one oh, right, sorry. They picked up seven points. This was back when it was two points for yep. a win. So in today's terms, that'll be ten points for the first four games. So I haven't checked, but let me try and remember.
0: It'll be Norway 2-1. <laughs> We're going to have to remember this off the top of my head, because I haven't written this down, but yes. Uh, Norway 2-1, then we... Uh, oh, no, I did write it right, Norway 2-1, then we... I'm trying to remember what order we did and Did we draw 1-0 with Yugoslavia? Yes. Then we beat Cyprus 3-2. Yes, for well, a last-minute goal from Richard Goff. Probably. Oh, yeah. 96-minute. And then uh, then we had this game against France. Yes, this game against
1: France. And it ended up being hugely important because after the, they then won the next game after this, beat Cyprus at Hamden. Yep. 2-1. And then from the last three games, they only picked up one point. And finished ahead of France by just one point. Yugoslavia won in the group in France, famously, despite having gone to the semi-finals in 82 and won the Euros in 84. I think I'm right in saying it was 84.
0: So, so this was... This they was they a, didn't
1: qualify for Italian. Either.
0: They they also didn't qualify. So, they'd, so there's one Euro 84. They didn't qualify for Euro 88. They finished behind... Let me get this right now. Finished behind... Soviet Union and East Germany in the qualifiers for Euro 88 uh, and they they only won one game they only won one game I think they only lost one game but they they, they pretty much drew all their games they had a goal difference was like minus three this was like a, it was a French team that was in decline uh, they still had some players who had won Euro 84 they were still waiting on that this kind of batch of players who would eventually come through that would make them great again so they were, they were kind of they were kind of between two stools, yeah. I suppose, when we played them. We we're probably a wee bit lucky.
1: Well, I can say the French did now, if you want.
0: Well, well why don't you? Joe Batts,
1: Frank Soze, heard of him. Frank Sylvester, Patrick Battiston, Luc Sonor, Manuel Moros, Tierney Lauré, Laurent Blanc, Jean-Philippe Duran, Jean-Pierre Papin, and Daniel, I would say, Eureb. I believe so, yes. And uh, Christian Perez came off the bench and another player came off the bench, which I'm going to talk to later on. But let's talk about the game first. She's also mentioned the Scotland team. The Scotland team was Jim Layton, Richard Goff, Gary Gillespie, Alec McLeish, Maurice Malpass, Steve Nicol, Paul McStay, Roy Aitken, Ian Ferguson, the Rangers and Samaritan one, Ali McCoyst and Maurice Johnson. And Gordon Strachan and Brian McLear came off the bench for Scotland.
0: There was two. There was two selection issues going into that game. Uh, so I remember watching this game with my granddad and, we and the, the, the two selection issues were fairly enough the, the, the substitutes that, that, that came on so there was a decision to be made about who was going to play left wing so uh, we, we generally played 4 2 but we didn't really have a left winger I suppose in those days Ian Ferguson had come on against Cyprus if I remember correctly and, and performed quite well he was very young at the time Against, uh, played against, in this game didn't do very much and, and then Gordon Strank came on for him and the big I suppose the big decision that, that we got right was the fact that uh, there was questions asked about whether McCoyce should start up front or Brian McLear uh, McCoyst, uh got the McCoy got the spot and he was exceptional that day See McCoyce and Johnson up front it was probably so for my money in, in terms of in terms of watching Scotland in my lifetime, this might be arguably the best performance I've ever seen. I, I think the I, I think the three one game against Ukraine was very good at Hamden. In terms of us dominating a team, and I'm not saying we dominated France that day, but it was exceptional. Uh, and, and I thought in terms of when we beat uh, Ukraine three one was exceptional. And I know we've beaten France since then, but
1: but both of them were. Quite fortunate. And <laughs> backs to the wall for pretty much all, all of the game in both of them.
0: But, th- but this result wasn't fortunate. We were, we deserved to win 2 0. And I, I, I think what was most surprising for me, and it, it shows you how uh, memory can, can play tricks on you, when I watched the highlights this morning, I was really looking forward to Mo Johnson's overhead kick. Mo Johnson didn't score an overhead kick, <laughs> both his goals were absolutely shite. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, Johnson scored his over, Mo Johnson scored his overhead kick against Cyprus, uh, right. and, uh, which I think was the next game we beat him 2 1 at Hamden, and it was a great goal. But I've been adamant, I've been absolutely adamant that he scored that against France, and I, was, I, was, I, I had it pictured in my head. And I'm like, watching the highlights, and I'm like, okay, that goal was rubbish. It must be the second goal that he scored his overhead kick. And then you see him scoring the second goal, and I'm like, well, that must be offside. <laughs> because he scores another kick no it goes nah, the goals are rubbish who cares who cares it was, Aye, exactly. a, it was, it was a brilliant performance but they all count. It, as you say there was uh, so I think we beat Cyprus after this and then we had three games left and all we needed was a point point. and by God we got it my goodness Aye, eventually jeez oh <laughs> jeez oh although it was nearly a victory I think
1: the, the last point they got because the last point they got was because they got gubbed away in France and gubbed away in Yugoslavia. They
0: got gubbed away against 10-man France.
1: And, and the point that they got was against Norway at Hamden having beaten Norway away in the opening game 2-1 and they were winning for most of the game. So, so they, I think They, they gave up, a, I think it was an injury time equaliser.
0: So I think McCoy scored where he lobbed the keeper. I think the keeper came out to meet him and he, he dinked it over him and then in the 89th minute I can't remember the name Johnson. I think was the name of Norwegian because I think every third Norwegian is called Johnson. but he like <laughs> like like, go and have a look on YouTube he, he scored from about 45 yards it's like well how is Jim Layton what what on earth are you, what are you watching here that you've let let this one in and then it was then it was panic stations because obviously he had like three or four three or four minutes injury time to, to play out but it was absolute panic stations <laughs> After such a, an incredible start today, incredible. I mean, I'm saying it's a credible start. We we it took us until the 96 minute to beat Cyprus, mm. but that was a good laugh. But this <laughs> this game against France was uh, as as a Scotland fan, it's as good as it gets. So there was
1: two players. Have you done any research on players, or are you just going to be me giving a monologue for the next five minutes or
0: something? I I have had a look at French players. All right, cool. Uh, okay, right. I'll start. I just wanted to talk about about Ian Ferguson. Well, well, wait a minute. To see before we before we even get into this. Where does where does Tony go to find out sex scandals? <laughs> like where? Did, like I so think it, he just puts the, the legwork in and literally,
1: literally sits there on Google types in every player's name with like capital capital A and D, and then types in stuff like scandal controversy.
0: Like, like is there a is there a specific website that tells you football player sex scandals? Because like I bloody th- should be. I have went through the entire French team and I couldn't find any any sex scandals whatsoever. That's what I spent my lunch. I was like, "There must be something tasty here on some of these French players." There was name Country of Love. All I could find was like Joe Barts who chucked in the second goal. He uh, he recorded. Let me get straight. He 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 was he, he was recovering from cancer, and he uh, wrote a lot of poetry, and then rec- and then he put it to music, and then released three or four singles. No. Oh. No, I appreciate that's not a sex scandal, but I suppose it's quite interesting. It is Quite interesting, but but is it as interesting as a sex scandal? No, no, Pro- it's not. Probably not. i
1: i I'm actually going to. I was going to start with Ian Ferguson. I'm actually going to start with the player that I teased earlier on, which was Stephen Pi. He was the second substitute for France that day. Now, Stephen Pi, for those of you who maybe don't remember the nineties eh, or Hearts fans eh, might not be aware, played for Hearts. Last club he played for in his career was Hearts, and he was at one point. So he won the French Football of the Year, I think it was eighty-seven, eighty-eight, and he won it despite the fact he was playing for Sochaux in the second tier. And he was, eh, yep. French Player of the Year, and he was in the second division? Yep, they won the league that year, to go up, but no, yeah. yeah, he won Player of the Year. And he was kind of seen as the golden boy of France at one point, because he was even at, I think he was even at Sochaux when... Zidane was there at the same time and like so there was a stage where he was kind of looked upon as like the, the saver he was going to be the next big player that were going to take them on him and him and, and I played together for a team that was quite successful I think it maybe won the under 21 Euros or World Cup and it was like right these two guys are going to kind of lead us into the promised land they're, they're going to be the guys that basically they're, they're going to be the guys that ultimately ended up not being them two but ended up being you know the likes of Henri and Zidane and well, only he did barely played in '98, but you know, like that kind of team. But he went to so yeah, so he, his career didn't quite work out. He had a he had a history of kind of issues. He had every he had just about every vice going. He had problems with alcoholism, that kind of which eventually cost him his life. He died at the age of fifty two. He died um, four years ago, um, only fifty two, and yeah, so he had problems with alcohol. He was a gambler at one point. I think he used to take a lot of drugs at one point as well. Uh, he was able to kick them up, but could never really kick alcohol. And it was eventually, um, it was basically kind of related to alcohol because he had, I think, he'd survived cancer. He'd survived a cancer operation to, on his liver uh, where there was a tumour, but then kind of hemorrhaged and went in a coma and then never recovered from it. So, qu- quite a sad story overall. But a very, at one point in his career, a very, very talented guy who there was big hopes for when he signed for Montpellier. Montpellier at that time had a new kind of ambitious owner and we're spending a lot of money. And that was the two players that were like, right, we're going out and we're signing Pai and we're signing Cantona. Cantona only came on loan for Marseille. But it was basically like, instead of him coming off the bench for you guys, we'll play him every week. We're going to build a team around and we'll have him for the year. And Cantona was only up for it if Pai was going as well. And like I said, Bayern were interested in Pai so then he decided to sign for Montpellier. But it didn't, didn't work out for the two of them there. He still had not a bad career, just didn't quite live up to what he, he should have... Kind of happened. He still ended up playing for Bordeaux twice, Lyon, and
0: Porto. So Bordeaux it, twice, as in two appearances. Or no, <laughs> two, <laughs> two spells. spells. Two spells. <laughs> that, that's not that's successful. <laughs> that successful. This isn't that good.
1: But in Scotland, they kind of then became infamous because he was signed. That he was a decent player. He didn't have a great goal record at Hearts, but he was a good kind of technical player and, and fitted into the team reasonably well. He had he had a very kind of strong start. It was his third game. Hearts played Dundee in the League Cup semi-final, and he got man of the match, so he got his mountain bike, and he <laughs> he scored in the game as well, I think he scored the third, and anyway, he was very good that day, and played for Hearts for, I think, most of the rest of that season, but he was banned, he was the first ever Scottish League player to be banned following a random drugs test, and it was, it's a bit, one of those ones, that's, uh, could you hear about it, and you just think, ah. Especially with his history of drugs. I always just kind of thought he was caught, caught like cocaine. But it was, it was... He'd taken a appetite suppressant that had amphetamine in it. So that was what he got banned for. So he was banned for six months. He still had a year left on his deal. But him and Hearts just agreed to rip up his contract. And then he never played for anybody ever again. He was only 31 at the time. He did go into management, coaching in management. Um, five different clubs all in France over eight years. Ago. None of them that successful. But... He did, after that, become involved in a cocaine trafficking case <laughs> for which he received a suspended sentence.
0: See, uh, see rather than take uh, an, an appetite... Uh, what, what was the term? Appetite suppressant. See, rather than take an appetite suppressant, just, just don't buy biscuits.
1: He also wasn't fat at all, even at heart, like at the end of his career. He was they, didn't he look out of shape well, put it this way, even if, if he was out of shape, he was out of fitness. He wasn't out of, he wasn't fat, he wasn't fat at all. Well, that's because he was taking an appetite. I suppose. Aye, <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Something with obviously a lot of issues. And um, yeah, it, yeah, quite a sad story overall. So I thought I'd get to him first before I just wanted to talk about Ian Ferguson. So Ian Ferguson had a very, very weird international career. Nine caps. In total,
0: across the spell. So I think he first. Hang on, I need to have written this down. His international career it must have been over a very. Like, nine caps over what is presumably a very prolonged period, I think. I know. I wrote this down. I wrote this down specifically, and then I've. Was w- his. lost my place. Was his final cap when he told the Tartan Army to. Now, did he flick the finger at them? Or tell no, he swore f- at them. He was caught on the microphone, swearing at them. That was his final one. So, yeah. Is so this, Monaco? So, this game, the France game, was
1: only his third appearance. The mm-hmm. Cyprus game, the game before, was only his second appearance. So, like, that's quite big to be thrown in for those really kind of big games. Weirdly, though, after this France game, he didn't play for Scotland again for four years. But is it that weird? That's quite weird to be involved in such a big win. And then Scotland Remember like after this Scotland, Scotland like Struggled along For the next few games And there was no point Like Roxborough was like Oh like Maybe you bring Ian Ferguson Back at the team seemed to work well For those games
0: He, he was substituted in, in this game He, he, he didn't do particularly well. I think Godden Strachan came, came on for him And I suppose I suppose we had A pretty good midfield In, in those days Ferguson was Ferguson was A, a, a good midfielder but he was always, I, th- I think, at, at that point, on the periphery of, of, of the Scotland team, even even as, as well as he'd done. When he came back in
1: for the... Four years later, so when he came back in, so he didn't play for four years after this game. I, I, I still think that's quite weird. Even if you don't play well, if you play in a successful Scotland team that's doing well in your group, you expect to get at least, you know, at least a couple of friendly games <laughs> in the case of four years. Didn't play at all. Came back for a 3-0 victory over Malta in, I think, 1993. He was then a mainstay of the squad for the next 18 months. And then again, disappeared until the game you're talking about against Estonia, and it was that rearranged game as well. And what was it he said? Like, I, I didn't see oh, what I, he I was, said. No, he swore at the fans as they were coming off the pictures. The fans were giving them stick after drawing with Estonia and, and Monaco. Was,
0: <laughs> and was that also was that also Duncan Ferguson's last game, or have I just made that up? I don't know, I need, to, I need to look into that. I have it in my head that it was Duncan Ferguson's last game as well, but I, in fairness, I have possibly made. I haven't checked. We're going well over time, but I just want to kind of mention some of the other
1: things he done in his career because when he moved to Rangers for £850,000, he was the most expensive player at the time to move between two Scottish clubs. He remains to this day, St. Mirren's most expensive ever fee received for a player, which, considering the had Kenny McLean and John McGinn in the last decade, maybe isn't something to coo about. Uh, he was. Along with McCoyst and Richard Goff, the only player to play a role in all of Rangers' nine-a-row seasons. Uh, and unlike those two, he remained for the first two advocate years, so picked up another league title. And then after retiring, he moved over to Australia, uh, where he's been pretty much in management since. And he is currently the manager of, I wrote this down because it's quite a funny name, Sterling
0: Macedonia, who are from Perth. There's a, there's a Macedonia England this. So there must be,
1: well actually I don't
0: know if there is one I, I don't know where
1: the Macedonia comes from because there's, there's a place called Stirling that's just outside Perth in Australia but I don't know where the Stirling Macedonia I don't know what the Macedonia maybe there's a lot of Macedonians in there. I don't know
0: I, I, I there's a mix got, of Scots and Macedonians I, I also got the press he was really staunch Ian Ferguson
1: yes my dad used to always say my dad used to always say he should be booked as soon as he walks on the park dad didn't really like him but he was, I thought he was a bit of a dirty player
0: Ah, was not you you know <laughs>
1: But his left in under hasn't all been playing sailing, because he was, although <laughs> I've read this story, I think it was in the record, where he'd been the victim of a fraud scheme, which left him potless, which, fair enough, that's a bad thing. Uh, but when he left Perth Glory, we were sacked by Perth Glory, now he took them to the A-League final, where they were beaten, so he was had reasonable success there. But he was sacked there after three years, and then he was saying that he was forced to take a job cleaning beaches. Now, taking a job cleaning beaches in Scotland sounds horrendous.
0: <laughs> A job clearing beaches in right, Western yeah. Australia, uh, sounds all uh, right. <laughs> it's one of the worst. <laughs> one of the worst. It was as if it's blowing a gale.
1: He also scored two quite important goals in cup finals as well. Obviously scored the winning goal for St Mirren when they won the Scottish Cup in 1987, I believe it was. Yep. And then the following year scored in the cup final as Rangers defeated Aberdeen 3-2. That was a league cup final. A decent career, isn't it? Very decent career. Congratulations, Ian Ferguson, a decent career and... You're moaning about that horrible job you had, which sounds perfectly pleasant to (laughs) most of the planet. I'd love it. (laughs) And uh, if you'd like to hear us talk more about Ian Ferguson's former club Rangers and their devastating loss that's occurred today, then we're going to do that on the Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Terrace podcast. That's going to be in the £2 tier, so make sure you sign up for that to hear us talk about Stephen Gerrard leaving Rangers. And that's the end for this show. Sean, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, good people and I'm Craig Fowler saying for this weekend I hope you enjoy your football especially since there's two Scotland
0: games coming up that we really could do with four, def- points. Def- four points. Def- points has to be four points has to be four points four, four points, four, four points. Season. for the, for the seeding aye for no series we're fucked aye so yeah let's, let's do it have a bro
1: <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network
0: Step into the world of power